Hello and welcome to another episode of the Frontend Coffee Break, a podcast where we take a break from our everyday lives, grab a cup of Joe tea or whatever you fancy, and discuss uh, different frontend related topics. And today, as always, I have um, Regat with me. Hello, Regat. Welcome. Hello, Chucho. Thank you. <laughs> and well, my name is Chucho. We're both uh, senior frontend developers at Cognizant Netcentric. And today's topic is a topic that is a bit close to my heart, I would say. It's something that um, I've been working with or, or, or something that is a topic that is related to, to work that I've done throughout the years, which is progressive enhancement. And we're here to discuss a little bit about what is progressive enhancement, what are the advantages, disadvantages, is it feasible, why should you do it or why should you not do it or whatever. Just discuss a little bit about our, our experience working with it. And maybe for those that haven't worked with it, to get to know it and uh, try it out, maybe. Just maybe. <laughs> okay. So do, do you want to go or should, should I try to define what progressive enhancement means? Let's go with, the, with the, what we think progressive enhancement is to ourselves. And then we can read the official or one of the, the definitions of what progressive enhancement is and okay, see okay. how close we are to it. Yeah. Mm, for me... Okay, well, I mean, when you define something, you cannot use the word, so I cannot say when you progressively enhance. Um, <laughs> Why not? <laughs> um, I would say when you deliver something that works for most people, but then if the user has like a browser or a device that can do more, then you deliver to them more stuff. I would the way that I would explain what progressive enhancement is is basically you build something that works, and you go from that base building over it and over it and over it things that work better and better and better. You know, in in the Mexican culture, we had the Aztecs and the and other um, native Mexicans, let's call them people from uh, from America, uh, that when they were building the pyramids, you could see that the the pyramids and other constructions are actually layers over layers over layers of, of constructions. I mean, it's not exactly the same thing with progressive enhancement, but in the end, the idea is similar to this, that you build something that works and then you build something on top of it that works as, as well, and you go on on and on enhancing and making adding functionality. But if for whatever reason, there's, there's a moment that uh, uh, some of these functionality is not available, you still have uh, the, the lower layer to uh, that works to fall back on, let's say, Okay, so basically, like you deliver a complete solution or a complete working product or implementation, whatever it is, functionality to all users or to yeah, the most, be, of course, the most users. That would be the, the basic idea. Let's look at a little bit about the, the, the well, one, one definition that uh, wiki definition, uh, Google definition. So one way to define it more officially would be that progressive enhance enhancement provides a baseline of essential content and functionality to as many users as possible, just like you said, while delivering the best possible experience only to users of the most modern browsers that can run all the required code. And actually, this is a term that was coined by Stephen uh, Champion and Nick Fink at the SXSW Interactive Conference on March 11th, 2003. And in, in a presentation that was called, called Inclusive Web Design for the Future, and the way that they defined this was, the goal of web design is not merely to dazzle, but to deliver information to the widest audience possible. 
Uh, compromise is possible and desirable, but such compromise should not come at the expense of the user, but rather in terms of the native capabilities of the user's choice of device. Leave no one behind. So the idea is that um, you, you compromise regarding on the functionality, but based on what you choose to use the, uh, to, well, what device you choose to use uh, when navigating the web. So for example, if you're navigating with the, the best bra uh, browser with the latest computer, you have maybe the biggest experience, but if you, you choose, I don't know, a Nintendo <laughs> Game Boy or some device that has a browser inside it, you still get uh, a good experience uh, using it. I like the last part. It looks like very like in the military, leave no, no man behind. <laughs> I like it. Uh, but I wonder, like, how do you define like the most users? Is it something like, do you check like analytics? Do you check your stats and say, okay, my most, my user base is using, I don't know, Iron Internet Explorer 11. Should I go for that? Or is it, I mean, how do you define the... Oof. Well, in this case, I mean, it's all—it's always a matter of uh, a matter of how you say, as you say it, a matter of what your target audience is, and definitely analytics should be something that you take into account when looking at the the, at the, at the devices that your clients are using. I've been in projects in which we precisely say, oh, "Okay, do we we want to see? We're, we're right now investing a lot of uh, a lot of um, energy." Uh, supporting Internet Explorer 11 back uh, when. And we said, is it really worth it? And let's look at the user base on not the, the general user base, but the user base of our website and see how many people are actually using Internet Explorer 11. And based on that, you can choose, well, I'm going to give it support uh, to it or not. But the idea behind uh, progressive enhancement is that you uh, try to deliver the, 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 the best experience possible for every single person. Um, if they're using Internet Explorer, they're still going to get a good uh, experience. They're still going to be able to use the website. They're not going to be, maybe they're going to be missing out on, on animations or some other features, but they're still going to be able to use the, the website. And that's the idea. The same thing is if they're using a very old phone, they're still going to be getting uh, the experience of being able to use the, the website. Sounds, as a developer, very expensive to do, right? Because if you have to support a wider range of devices and browsers, it takes so much extra effort to, to do that. But no? that's, that's the beauty in a way about the progressive enhancement. Okay. You really don't have to support the, 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 a wide variety of, of browsers or, or all this kind of thing. No, 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 no. Because the way that you built the progressive enhancement, you, for example, built, uh, let's, you begin with the HTML, you built a good, well, semantic structured HTML. And I mean, if a browser does not support HTML, then what are you doing here? Yeah, <laughs> Navigating go, with that browser. Go home. <laughs> exactly. Use paper. And then you start building with uh, the CSS uh, over that. And browsers that support the CSS will be able to use that as well. And then you you build uh, uh, with JavaScript uh, on top of that. And um, browsers that have activated JavaScript or use JavaScript will be able to use that. But if you have deactivated JavaScript, you're still going to get the CSS experience. If you don't have okay, CSS... Okay. How many browsers do not support CSS or how many browsers do not support JavaScript? Is it realistic in 2023 to be talking about progressive enhancement? I would say yes, for example. I don't know about you, but when I am uh, on the subway or I'm reading the news, I deactivate, actually, in my phone, I deactivate JavaScript because reading the news there and opening a, a news page, an article to start reading it, um, if you have JavaScript uh, activated first, it starts loading uh ton of additional JavaScript libraries that, well, they don't deliver any real value to me. 
maybe they they will add uh, publicity or try to add fancy things, but um, they really don't. I don't need them, you know. So I just want to read the article. So I, I have JavaScript turned on, and most of the time the articles load faster, and I'll, I'm able to to read them. Yeah, then, yeah, of course, it's just text. I mean, but the examples you're giving is a very like easy case to solve, no? Because it's mm -hmm. just you just deliver semantic HTML, your article heading, footer, navigation, everything works just fine because they are linked to HTML. You don't need JavaScript. When you talk about like a complex application with lots of interactions, it feels like adding you know no JavaScript solutions to you know, to support these users when it's very JavaScript heavy sounds complex and, and difficult. Well, I, I think, I, I don't know about you, but right now, I mean, the, the web has evolved a lot since 2003 when this was this this concept was presented. I mean, precisely, we have super, I, 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 I don't think back then, um, 2003, was jQuery a thing? I don't know, when was jQuery? I uh, don't remember, no. I, I remember working at a, on it 2006, 2007, so more, more or less around the, the that area. I'm saying jQuery because I think that jQuery was the, the library that changed the way that we do that we did the front end so that's why i'm referring to that one but um for sure um we've come a long way and right now um, thinking about maybe progressive enhancement it's not something that is for every single project we have so such amazing things that we can do in the front end with the new frameworks that we have that um, progressive enhance enhancement might not be uh, something or that we should uh that, that is completely feasible, but I mean, using the progressive enhancement uh, principle, we will be able to, to build good websites uh, regardless. Um, okay, you're, you're saying good websites, but what does it mean? I mean, what is the advantage of using progressive enhancement? Or what, what does it make it good? Or what's what's what are you taking out of? I mean, for example, more. For, <laughs> for example, one of the the, the, the biggest uh, advantages I think it's that it it. Um, because of the way that you need to build uh, the website, the, the, the way that you need to build your components or your applications, you need to apply certain um, a philosophy that actually uh, uh, improves accessibility. Because if you're trying to build a website that it's well-structured well in HTML-wise, um, that means that it's going to be more accessible. You know, And, if, and in, in, uh, for people that are not... Uh, for example, that don't have JavaScript or CSS, that you know, people that read that use screen readers that may, might not have this they activated. That it would be if you built uh, on that philosophy, it'll be better for for them. You will be able to. I, I agree totally. So I, I think, sure, maybe the listeners have already seen developers that not come, that doesn't come to news to them. But imagine like two HTMLs, like sure, a newspaper article where you use like your. Heading is just a diff or a span. The content is just a diff and the footer is just a diff. When you don't load any JavaScript or CSS, it would all look the same, right? But if you use semantic markup, if you use H1, H2, paragraphs, sections, articles, footer tags, all those will render with default browser styles and it will already look decent enough to read if you don't have any JavaScript or CSS. So, yeah. And, and just going back a little bit on, on regarding on, on the, the very simple... Uh, example of reading an article, you would be surprised uh, to see how many websites do not work if you have uh, articles, do not work if you don't have JavaScript on, because they say uh, read read more just to expand it. Right. But it's covering already, and you shouldn't be, the philosophy of when you build this, you should don't, you should not build it in such a way that you need JavaScript to actually 
read it. They well, and they have this sort of like, you know, subscriptions. If you're not subscribed, they first show you something and then an overlay says, hey, you have to pay $10 a month to see it, things like that. Yeah, yeah. But I think definitely using something markup, that would help because, you know, browsers have like Firefox, they have these like is it view mode or something, reader mode where you click and then it strips everything out and just leaves you with the actual text and it's it's useful. So, okay, so accessibility, it's, it's fantastic. What else is good for, for the web when you... Look at enhancement, impressive. Well, uh, technically, you're also uh, future-proofing in in a sense that you're preparing for um, because you're building something on on what you have right now. Um, if something new comes up, you can then enhance your application on on whatever is new coming on, and the people that don't have that new things will still be able to use the the the, the website uh, the way that they're that they're currently. Right, because it. if you already build something on version, whatever it is, usually browsers don't break backwards compatibility, so you will still work regardless if in 10 years we work with um, holographic browsers. Yes, yeah. and it's always easier to add on than to remove. And uh, another option is, another uh, improvement is uh, that it usually is more performant. The websites that you, that you work on with, uh, uh, with performance enhancement in mind are usually more um, performant, but then again, now that we're talking about the the, the, the future proofing and this kind of things, there's another concept that that goes hand in hand. Uh, the you have for, for on one side the prof uh, progressive enhancement, on the on the other side you have uh, graceful degradation. I don't know if you've worked with this philosophy or it sounds or very or... apocalyptic degradation. <laughs> what, what is happening here? Is this a video game? No, uh, graceful degradations is really about. Um, you built the the website the website thinking about the using the latest features thinking about for example I don't know I'm gonna use uh, Chrome the latest version that supports all the latest CSS and JavaScript da, 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 da. and then I create things that might adapt to for people that don't have these features so that you just, you start um, doing uh, degrading the website you start building things that degrade the website so that users that don't have these features um, can can use it okay so it's complete it opposite from present I mean some from progressive enhancement, you start from very low end, let's say devices mm -hmm. or browsers, but in this case, you start from the latest and greatest and then patch down if you need to. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it, 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 it's, it, it makes sense to work in this depending on, on the type of project that you're working in. For example, you might receive a project that's ha that is already built and it, it only works on the latest and, and greatest and you need it, or you'd like to make it more accessible to more people. You would like to make it, um, yeah. Uh, that people that don't have the latest or maybe people that had uh, a browser or that, uh, for example, if you build it only for desktop and you want it to work on, on mobile devices as well, well, you basically do follow a, a graceful degradation uh, philosophy in which you start building ways that if you don't have the latest features, it's still going to be working. I mean, this is a, a very valid uh, use case. Also, um, it might be very expensive to build uh, a progressive enhancement website. You might as well, as well just... So build it the best and then try to to make it uh, yeah i think that's usually the approach most of us take like we always start with the latest latest es syntax latest css like css grade subgrade all those things cool stuff and then you add like back when we had uh, ie in play now luckily not, no more but i remember like having to patch things for instance we would build um a layout using grid mm. but then the def like we would gracefully degrade to maybe floats or maybe widths uh, on, on a simple way, not, not maybe following exact the columns of grid, but, you know, a simpler layout with four 
Internet Explorer. So, so yeah, you know, going down, okay, it doesn't fully break, but it doesn't look as good as uh, latest browser. Hmm. And do you have any other experience working on, on either graceful degradation or progressive enhancement personally? Um, yes, yes. I mean, <laughs> usually, again, uh, graceful degradation, like patching stuff, or also like um, using the latest like JavaScript APIs for progressive enhancement. Like I remember... Uh, we had some sort of uh, sticky sticky tables or something, sticky headers. And I know that uh, in IE, you wouldn't have the position sticky uh, CSS solution, right? So I remember having a bunch of JavaScript for for that particular browser. But then if we detected that we were then on a modern browser, we would you know, just use the CSS position sticky, right? which is just one line and everything hmm. is, is solved for you. I think, yeah, that, that will be another example. Uh, well, I... In, in the past, I think that the, the time that I've used more uh, the progressive enhancement philosophy has been with forms, you know, yep. that um, the first is that you, you, you built um, something that works with forms, validates forms. And back then, I'm talking back then when we had HTML4, you had to validate the forms. You didn't have really ways to validate the form on the front end or at least not as powerful as the ones that we have right now. So that when the, what you would do is um, you would just have your basic form and you would submit it and that it would be sent to the backend. That needed to validate it and maybe reload the page again. And then once you had that working, then you added the JavaScript on top of that, and you made it so that you did the validations before sending it to the backend, and maybe the backend would never have to validate something, like, for example, a date, or maybe that, it, that you're sending on only numbers and these kind of things. So this, for example, would be a, a progressive enhancement uh, um, approach. Yeah, yeah, I mean, and you would laugh, but I'm sure that kids nowadays on a Say kids, the people that start coding in 2023, they don't really know that you can actually submit a form using just you know method post, and if the, the backend is prepared for to receiving an HTTP post request, mm -hmm. it will just work. And now everybody is you know they start with API first nowadays, right? And <laughs> they just assume that everybody has JavaScript and everybody can do AJAX calls and REST APIs. And and back in the day, we used to not have that. So yeah. Well, I, I, I find it funny, the, the term API first. Could you just elaborate on this one? No, no, I mean, yeah, you, usually <laughs> the new projects are all API first. Like, I mean, and, and that's also good news for the front end. Like you have your front end very decoupled from the back end, and then everything's API. Your content comes from an API, your validation comes from an API, uh, forms, everything goes to API, and that there's no like uh, back end rendering almost, right? So when you talk about using single pitch applications with Vue or Svelte or whatever, yeah, working on an, on an API-first architecture, um, it's what nowadays one approach. And I wanted to mention Svelte. I know you, you've been playing with Svelte. Mm -hmm. And I was reading how Svelte works with press enhancement, and I found it very interesting. Um, so on the, there's a link there on, on the documentation, and they, they say that, okay, for regular links to other pages, like you have a, a link on a component that goes to another page, um, they can use you know an A tag, which is perfectly semantic, and it works fantastically. It will do a page reload, and the, you know, the server will load the next page, but you can progressively enhance with the Svelte or whatever framework, and mm -hmm. then that link could con be converted to a you know single page application routing, client side and routing, basically. So you wouldn't see the page load because you had more JavaScript or the browser was capable of doing stuff, and then you you do that, right? The same with forms that you said before. Forms, I think it's it's something that out of the box works fantastically. You have required patterns, uh, you know, many validations like in line with your attributes. But if you have JavaScript, it opens a new world of, of, of validation. You have to use a validation API and you can intersect with those uh, events. And it really, it's powerful. In our project, we use that. We use all the 
browser uh, validation, but on top we add our JavaScript, and then it looks like in line with the uh, you know business uh, coloring and stuff. And this is something that I was surprised because with the new frameworks, they don't really pay attention to this kind of, of details about uh, the the progressive enhancement details or things to validate things or no to support things that are not uh, JavaScript oriented. If you want to have a button, it won't be a regular button, but it would have JavaScript to do something. The same thing if it's a link, it might not even be a simple link. It would have JavaScript to do something. Yeah. And the funny thing is that we live in HTML and CSS have advanced so much since well, back, even back 2003 uh, they have advanced so much and you can do so many things that you actually don't need CS, uh, JavaScript sorry, for, for it for example just uh, one of the typical cases uh, tabs I mean um, how would you build a tab uh, a progressive enhancement tab uh, component and it's fairly simple you begin with HTML just HTML and you have a list of uh, links that, for example, move uh, that when you click on it, they move to a, a, a section of the page that have the section that you want to show in okay, the so tab. An anchor, no, an, an anchor, anchor link. Okay, exactly. yeah. mm -hmm. you have an anchor link, and that's that's it. And it actually works the same. It gives you the same uh, feature of a, of a tab where you click on a on an element and you you go directly and or start reading what 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 you're interested in. Then you can, if you add a little bit of CSS, you can actually just style it as tabs. And right now, with the, with the with the things available for CSS, you can actually select the tab and it will show <laughs> the content of that tab. You don't even need JavaScript. And then you can add JavaScript on top of that. To make it, for example, to f to make it even more accessible, They're talking about accessibility per se, you know, like so you're you're on a tab and uh, activating and deactivating the different area attributes and so on and so forth. So you can progressively enhance this very simple component that it's quite used and um, it, it it's following best practices there. When you yeah, I, I love it that you start from a perfectly semantic HTML and that that works already out of the box. And, and I really love HTML and that sense because it's so powerful. It's yeah. No CSS, no JavaScript. It will work. The content is there, rendered. It's for like, you know, uh, search engine optimization. It will work just fine. Screen readers work just fine. So yeah, I love it. Because in the end, especially as you just said it, at one point you might be asked, hey, we need to make this site accessible for screen readers. And if you start with this kind of philosophy, it's going to be simpler to build uh, an accessible website than to if you start with a much 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 more complex solution and then try to adapt it. Uh, it's a little bit like like uh, mobile first approach which you first built uh, for the mobile, and it's easier to just add up uh, design to make it uh, look better and bigger and bigger screens than to start on a desktop first uh, approach and then start uh, adding styles to make it look better when it's smaller. In my experience, you end up having much less CSS if you go for a mobile first approach than a desktop first uh, approach. Same, yeah, yeah. Even I mean, do you think, like, I mean, I, I'm sure everybody has examples of desktop first uh, mm. solutions where, yeah, it's a, it's a dashboard and the users will not look at it in mobile. But let, let's say that um, you do have um, a mobile, I'm sorry, a desktop application, right? And you have to maintain it, you have to go for it. Then if you get to go mobile, will you choose like a graceful degradation approach where um, on the mobile view, you would not have all the features of the desktop view or how would you approach it as a, as a, as a tech lead? I, I, I'm, I'm always, uh, even if, if, for example, 80% of my, my, the clients are desktop users and only 10% are mobile, I would always go for a mobile first uh, approach right. mm -hmm. regardless. Because what I said, it's, it's just uh, gives you, um, it's easier in the end to, to do it. Like you have much less code when you do it this way. 
I'm of the philosophy that a mobile site doesn't necessarily have to have every single functionality that you have in the in the desktop one. I mean, you definitely have to have all the what that's important, but you don't need to have, to have every single thing that you have in the desktop. So I would be hiding stuff, or the other way around, I would be yeah, things will be by default. A lot of the things might be hidden, and then eventually when you uh, make your application bigger or use a bigger, wider screen, things will, would, would start appearing there. I don't know. Um, no, I, I think you see it more and more with you know Google Web Apps and other big companies where on the mobile side, they tell you, please go to the desktop. I mean, sure, they're responsive and they have basic buttons and stuff. But when it comes to like granular editing of, I don't know, slides or Excel spreadsheets, usually they, they, they just tell you to go to the desktop side. And it's maybe it's fine. Well, for example, this there's sheet, Google Sheets. You do, do you need it in the mobile? Are you going to use that? Are you going to create a or be editing formulas through your phone? Maybe not. I mean, for just reading, reading, and you know, doing simple editing like maybe text and you should, sure small formula, but not for big stuff. Uh, so yeah, I, I I think it's 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 a valid approach. Now, I, I would like to just uh, showcase, for example, a very simple ex example of the difference between a mobile-first approach and a, a mobile-first approach, a progressive enhancement approach and a graceful degradation one, which would be a simple print button. You know, um, if you want to do a progressive enhancement print button, uh, people might think by default, and I've seen examples of people saying, oh, you use the no script tag, and in the no script tag, uh, you add a, a message that says, if you want to activate the print, uh, you need to activate JavaScript. That is not progressive enhancement because people are going to see that uh, by default and they that might not have JavaScript and they would say, what? Java what? Maybe they don't know it. Maybe they are even, and this is very interesting, um, maybe they're working on a computer that don't, doesn't have JavaScript by default because it, it, it needs to be more secure, you know? So there might be many possibilities for what why this wouldn't work. Um, a progressive enhancement approach would be to show a message by default that says, um, here's your information. Please print it if you want to keep a copy from it. That's it. Just like like it says a message message like if you want to print it, print it. How they're right, going to so print the, it? The user would you know just maybe con control P or <clears throat> file print right from the browser. Yeah. Okay. And then you create a JavaScript that if you detect that the the, the browser actually has well uh, the, the the capabilities of doing it, you build a the the print button and you remove the message and you the button will be there only. If you have the, the capabilities uh, to do it, just like with in the other case, but in the case that there's no capabilities, there's no confusion of, of saying, hey, you should turn on JavaScript. This is not going to work if you don't have JavaScript. No, no, no. It's just simply, uh, thank you very much. And if you want to print uh, this, don't, don't forget to print it if you want to keep a copy. That's, That's fantastic. Yeah, it's, it's way more intuitive, better UI, better UX. I, yeah, I'm on board. Good one. <laughs> and uh, right now that you have, as, as, as I say, there's so many ways that we can, the, so many tools that you can use to to facilitate the, the progressive enhancement builds. Like, for example, um, I didn't know about this because I'm not using it that much. Uh, but for example, for CSS, there is actually a support uh, primitive. Or, yeah, I don't know if you call yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. I've used it a lot until I had to drop. Oh, I, I had to. <laughs> I was allowed to drop Internet Explorer, so no, no more. But it's fantastic. You just, let's say, I don't know, um, grids is, is a perfect example. No? So you have hmm. um, your, your class, and then you write some properties, and then you add supports grid. And then inside that, the, that condition, you just add more stuff. And then if the browser is uh, supports the grid uh, property, you would execute. It's like when you have, like, 
back in the days, but okay, not, not, not so long ago, uh, <laughs> gradients were not supported in, in browsers. So mm. you, you would have um, browsers that don't, don't support linear gradients or uh, radial gradients. So you would do background red, and then on the next line, you would do background and then linear gradient, right? So the browser would first read the color red, it would print it, and then if it was supported, they would read the gradient and, and do it. It's in the same principle. And it works fantastically. If you have to support like yeah, IE and other stuff, just use it. Supports. I love it. Yeah. And this is something that might not be, uh, unless you've been working a little bit, might not know about it. And then if you're working on JavaScript and you know that you want to support JavaScript, you can also use libraries like Modernizer or other approaches in which it tries to determine, for example, does this browser support this? Then I'll use it. If it doesn't, then I'll, I'll simply not, not use it. Um, well, uh, there's this, um, just as, a, as an example, for example, there's this uh, website, the one from the BBC News, I think. They had this uh, philosophy that's called, called, I think, cutting the mustard. And the idea is that they would have some JavaScript checks that if the checks went through, they would just show you a full experience, uh, full JavaScript experience uh, like, site. It's worse, yeah. Uh -huh. mm -hmm. But if for whatever reason, the browser or the device or whatever thing you were using to to watch the the this then BBC News didn't cut the mustard, then they would simply just show you. Uh, they would take JavaScript off and they would show you the the HTML CSS. That's version. awesome. I mean, no JavaScript means no tracking, means no ads. That's that's a good one for them. Um, yeah, I know you, you can use like the Navigator API to know if the user has certain bandwidth or connection. So you could check for that. You could check for other um, yeah browser settings. And if all goes through, just add more. More JavaScript? Why not? <laughs> well, to close this uh, this this episode today, I my, my recommendation would be I, I've been um, I read around a little bit about progressive enhancement and what it is and so on and so forth, and a lot of the articles that I found are very vague. You know, they just say, "Oh, it's fantastic! You should try it out." Um, <laughs> my recommendation is, um, if you're interested, I would recommend to read a little bit about what it is, try to find out uh, different techniques. We've talked about a, a few of them here. I mean, it's not necessarily um, something that you must do. I do recommend it to follow, but I, I would recommend uh, definitely to follow a progressive enhancement approach in which you start building with a strong HTML base then you add the CSS to, that works on that. And then on top of that, uh, when you build the JavaScript, try to build it that it enhances, not that the things are working just through JavaScript, but that JavaScript enhances the, the, the component. Yeah, I'm with you, man. I think the way we are going back to the origin when we started doing this, and then we went full framework right, for a couple of years where all the, JavaScript, all the HTML is rendered in the JavaScript, which is a mistake. And then we are now back to rendering HTML and hydrating and enhancing with JavaScript. <laughs> so yeah, all good, man. Well, I <laughs> I hope that, that you enjoyed the the, the episode. Um, I mean, it's a very fascinating topic, and hopefully, we can be talking in the future about other things that we mentioned here: a mobile first approach and other ways to build better user experiences and such. Well, that's it, I guess. Thank you very much, Ricardo. Thank you. See you in the next front end coffee break. See you then. Bye.